MSW Media. Hi, this is Will Forte, and you're, for some reason, listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. You made your choice. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Greetings, fellow shut-ins. I'm Dan Dunn, and what we're drinking on today's episode is Kentucky Owl Bourbon. And in just a little bit, we're going to be joined by Dixon Deadman, the master blender for Kentucky Owl. I want to throw out a little reminder that I'll be hosting another edition of Nightcap Live, thing I do with Flaviar every week. It's going to be streaming this Thursday, May 14th from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 4 Pacific, for those of you not good at math. Uh, that happens on Flaviar's YouTube channel. Rum will be the spirit that we're consuming on the episode, and the guest will be, one of the guests, the big guest will be former, literally big guest, former NBA star Glenn Big Baby Davis going to be on that one. So, uh, that's going to be exciting this uh, this Thursday, May 14th. And then on Tuesday, May 19th, I'll be right back on Flaviar's YouTube channel doing another live stream with director Steven Soderbergh, one of my favorites. And uh, Steven will also be doing a segment with me here on this podcast. I also want to invite you to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at The Imbiber. Uh, since I have some of this Kentucky Al Bourbon here, I want to raise a toast, and I'll do that right now, to a guy by the name of Jimmy Glenn. You may not know who Jimmy Glenn is, but he's a former amateur boxer and trainer who had a gym on 42nd Street that went out of business a long time ago, and they redeveloped Times Square. But the, how I know who Jimmy Glenn is, is he opened a bar called Jimmy's Corner on West 44th Street between 6th and 7th Avenue back in 1971, which, to give you some perspective that was the year joe frazier defeated muhammad ali at madison square garden in the so-called fight of the century so jimmy made this bar a shrine to boxing there were photos all sorts of other memorabilia and it was truly one of the great bars in new york city i used to try make it a point to try to go there every time i was in the city uh, go to jimmy's corner and uh, he died. He just, he got coronavirus, uh, complications from the coronavirus. Now he was 89 years old. That's a, that sounds like a life well lived. He died last Thursday. So I just wanted to acknowledge Jimmy and that fantastic bar that he created and to send out my deepest condolences to his family and, and to all fans of that bar. So one of the things I really love about the booze business is there's so many amazing brand origin stories and they're just filled with colorful characters and such rich history i really can't get enough of them and kentucky al for instance has a great story it was founded in 1879 by a pharmacist named charles mortimer deadman 
and he and his new bride had received a large parcel of land right on the banks of the Kentucky River. It was a wedding gift from his adopted father, who was a town judge. So he ran it by his wife, and and she said, great. So he decided to build the C.M. Dedman Distillery, where they produced something called the Wise Man's Bourbon under Distilled Spirits Plant designation number 16. So they were one of Kentucky's original distilleries, and they were part of a booming industry back then. So for decades, the Kentucky Owl continued to flow until, of course, Prohibition put an end to the party. Try as they might, the Deadman family, they, they could not hold out against the forces of teetotalism, temperance, and eventually the feds. That's right. In 1916, as Prohibition was looming, local distilleries had a lot of perfectly good bourbon sitting around. In the case of Kentucky Owl, they had something like 250,000 gallons of it in various stages of aging. So give you an idea, in today's dollars, that'd be about $40 million in inventory. So one night, federal agents descended upon the Deadman's Distillery, and they seized all the bourbon, and they shipped it up the river by barge to the state capital in Frankfurt for safekeeping in a warehouse. And wouldn't you know it, that warehouse would shortly thereafter mysteriously burn to the ground. And when I say mysteriously, it's because it burned down in a few short hours when, if you think about it, a fire fueled by that much whiskey should have burned brightly enough to read the Frankfurt State Journal by for days. This much was certain, though. C.M. Deadman would never distill another dram or another drop. To this day, rumors persist that rather than fueling a fire, those barrels were spirited away by Al Capone or another gangster operating in the area to inflame the late-night frolics of Chicago speakeasies. You know, if there had been an enterprising night watchman or two, could have told you, but they can't divulge that information from six feet under. The Deadmans never received a penny for that lost bourbon, and Kentucky Al disappeared into the pages of family history until a few years ago. Growing up in his family's Beaumont Inn, Dixon Deadman had heard the story of his great-great-grandfather's rise and fall in the bourbon business many times. Family had come into ownership of this famed inn in Harrodsburg, Kentucky, in 1919, and some 85 years later, Dixon found himself running the place. In between washing dishes and serving whiskey to travelers along Kentucky's bourbon trail, he dreamt of one day bringing back Kentucky Al, the whiskey. He was a guy with old bourbon in his blood, and he was still naive and maybe crazy enough to try something that mm, risky. The idea to bring back Kentucky Al would not leave Dixon Deadman. So he began to look into hand-selecting and blending barrels to create small batch bourbons. Kentucky Owl batch number one was six years in the making. Family and friends and, and distillers he had met had helped Dixon get hold of some of the best barrels of bourbon in Kentucky. And he took little samples and mixed and matched, looking for the right blend, tasting, blending, rebarreling, even recharring the barrels. He was working his ass off to make something new and something CM Deadman would be proud to put the family name on. And then in 2014, nearly a hundred years after the original Kentucky Owl Distillery Number 16 was shuttered, Dixon realized his long-held dream to bring back the family bourbon. And since then, he's introduced 10 batches of whiskey, including Confiscated, which is what I'm drinking right now. And I want to hear more about this whiskey. I want to drink more of this whiskey. And I think the best thing to do right now is to bring on the man himself, Mr. Dixon Deadman. Look at this guy. There he is right there. Dixon Deadman. How are you, my friend? I'm terrific, dude. It's good I'm to terrific. see you. Good to see you. Uh, so everybody out there knows Dixon and I know each other. We Last year, right around this time, 
we were cavorting at Pebble Beach Food and Wine. I guess it would have been April of last year. And Dixon was a big hit. He had a, he brought a bunch of uh, Kentucky Owl with him, and they sponsored a golf tournament that we did up there. And and rightfully so, everybody loved the whiskey. So thanks for that, man. I you know I I was a little bit nervous. I got to be honest. And then uh, and so we get there to your golf tournament, and it's 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 really damn early, and. Uh, and and we have a little bar set up and 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 they're like here comes dan dan wants to meet you and i was like i i, I want to meet i want to meet dan and, and uh and you walk up you're like hey i'm dan he's like hey i'm dixon and he said i think we should have a whiskey and i was like i i think i think that's appropriate i think we should have a whiskey and away we went uh, and away we went and and the next I don't know how many days I was out there, but it, it was a kind of a blur from there, but it was good. You know, it, it was great because I remember, I don't know if any of you have ever been out there, ever been to Spanish Bay, that's kind of the headquarters of Pebble Beach. So we would sit outside a lot in the afternoon. And so Dixon was, Dixon had the Kentucky Owl with him sort of hidden under the chair <laughs> because they, they don't want you bringing in your own whiskey, but but people would find us because they knew you had it, so they would come over. and And I think there's a there's a real mystique already for a brand that hasn't been around. I mean, obviously, I talked earlier on in the intro about the history, but the brand itself, the, the the new version of it, has only been around for a couple of years. But how have you managed to build this cult following already this quickly? I, you know, I don't know. And, and I wish I had a, like a really good answer for you, but I, I think, I think good whiskey has a, a lot to do with it. Good, good whiskey goes a long way. I think that kind of just being uh, genuine and, and, and a bit honest and, 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 you know, that, that helps. And, and it's just, I'm like, I remember that day, you remember we were out, we were sitting there and that, that server comes over and she said, I heard you're handing out whiskey. And the people were, they're like, oh, we're in trouble. And I, and I just looked at the server and I was like, yes, I am. Get a glass. I'll pour you some. And like, they just laughed and turned around and walked the other direction. And we yeah. made a, we made a friend right there. And I, you yeah. know, one of the things that I think is, was a, a risky move and a, it was a bold move. And I, and I imagine it's paid off was you came out of the gate with the pricing on this was not cheap. Right. And I, when I look no. back, when I looked at some of the reviews, you know, there, it's a crotchety lot, some of these whiskey yeah. writers. And, and one of the first things, you know, is like, Oh, it's where the hell does he come off charging this much money? But I, I actually believe it was a genius move because you you believed in the whiskey and that and you thought I got to do you know I believe this is a whiskey that's worth over a hundred dollars and even though we don't you know we're we're the new kid on the block we're gonna price it where I believe it deserves to be priced and how has that worked out for you economically you have certain things that are involved I mean we were we you know, we were sourcing stuff. So we had a different cost than somebody who's making their own stuff. So like, you know, there, there was a, there, there was a cost element to that, but in reality, we, we were trying to, 
we were going to put, we were going to push a price. Uh, we were doing barrel proof. We were doing unique blends. We were not replicating a flavor profile over and over. And, and, you know, it was kind of um, like, let's, let's just go see what kind of, you know, what, what we can do. And, and, and that whole thing, I mean, it, it sucked, dude. It totally sucked. When we released that and people were, people came at me and, 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 and it, and it, it was, it was, was it mainly on the price point you were being attacked? I think the price point and, and people didn't, they, they, they questioned the validity of the story. They questioned, you know, a lot of stuff and, and it, it bothered me. It bothered the hell out of me for a little bit. And then I was like, you know what? I, I can either let this eat me up or I can, I, I can make this work. And so what I did, a lot of the people that were the loudest, I just said, Hey, send me your address. I'm going to send you a sample and you taste the whiskey. And, and then, you know, you, you come all day long after you've had the whiskey. If you haven't had it, you know, just give me a chance to give you some. So I, I sent, I sent a ton out. I mean, I sent, I don't know, at least a hundred and something two ounce samples to these people. And then I was getting notes back left and right. Like, okay, my bad. You know, this <laughs> is, you know, I'm sorry. How can I get a bottle? And that validation, that's gotta be great to get that validation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty crazy. The, um, and, and that didn't happen overnight. I mean, you know, th- there was literally, there was a period there where I thought, damn, what have I done? Like, <laughs> I'm not going to make it. Yeah. Every time I open my email, every time I look at Facebook, every time I look at all this stuff, like I'm just getting eaten a lot and, and it, it sucked. And then I thought, you know what? A lot of these people, that are crushing me are just crushing me because they like, I'm the new thing to crush into the, you know, that's fine. Well, that's, you know, one of the things I talked about earlier in the show before you came on was I love a good origin story as much as the next guy. And, you know, growing up in Kentucky, the stories are multitude and they're amazing. They're, you know, you know, especially in the bourbon world, I mean, just characters left and right. And it's such, it's so interwoven with the history of America itself. But I also know that some of these origin stories can be, you know, enhanced possibly. They could be, uh, people tend to get a little bit creative sometimes with the stories. And ultimately for me, and this was never let the truth get in the way of a good story. That's right. right? That's exactly right. And, and, but you know, I've been writing and I've been covering spirits for a long time, you know, playboy, Rob report all down. And at the end of the day, for me, when I, when I am really evaluating the merits of a brand, the story can be great, but ultimately what it comes down to it is what's in the bottle. And, and how is the juice in the bottle? And I got to tell you, man, I know why people love Kentucky Al and why it's become such a big hit because the whiskey's fantastic. I'm drinking confiscated right now, so I got my got my bottle right here. And it is first of all, it's a it's what it ninety six point four proof, so it's got some kick to it, right? It's got a little oomph, but. The alcohol is not overwhelming. I'm getting, I'm getting a lot of just a lot of that sort of caramel rich, you know, the, the woods coming through. There's, there's a lot of flavor to this whiskey and it, and it's got a, uh, a, a real, you know, you hear the word complexity thrown around a lot, but that's true in the case of this one. I feel like there's an, an earthiness to it, a sweetness to it. A lot of stuff happening that I just love in this whiskey. Well, I, I got to be honest, and, and that's what's you know fun about talking to you, Dan, is that I don't have to mind my P's and Q's. I can say what I really think on your show. But, you know, I, I don't 
when when you talk about whiskey, you know, and, and I no disrespect to anybody, but you know, when people would say, "Oh, your whiskey is it's so it's so light, it's so delicate, it's so easy to drink, it's so um, you know," I I don't I that's not the whiskey that I intend to make. Um, I don't want to make harsh, abrasive, you know, whatever. But I, I want when you drink something that I'm responsible for, I want you to know that you're drinking whiskey. I want you to know that you're drinking bourbon. And that was like with confiscated, even at 96.4 proof, you know, I wasn't looking for this like big back end punch of alcohol. I was looking for, I, I want, I want you to be able to taste it each time and be like, okay, I'm picking up a different note. There's enough going on here. There's enough, there's enough, uh, you know, Sweetness on the front of the palate, citrus across the middle of the palate, spice on the back. You know, I yeah. want to build complexity in whiskeys, and that that is a real challenge to do in in ninety to one hundred proof whiskeys. You know, a lot of them is like, oh, that. So why so why is that, or why is it difficult to main to achieve that? It's just for dilution. I mean, you know, most of those the, the times you're blending those barrels, they're at one hundred twenty, one hundred thirty proof, and you knock them down to ninety. And all the, you know, they become kind of one trick ponies. You know what I'm saying? Like they just, they, they lose all the, uh, they, they, the more water you add, the more one dimensional the whiskey becomes, which is not a bad thing. It, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's, it's, there's a lot of great whiskeys that, that kind of fall in that very, um, you know, it, I taste this and it, I know it because it tastes like, this. Well, I was going to say that to you, and people don't often like to do this, but when you were thinking about the style of whiskey that you wanted to make, what other brands do you think made an impression on you? Who are your influences in the bourbon world? The other side of my life, the other other world I live in is, you know, I, I run a 101-year-old hospitality business in, in, in Kentucky, and, and we have relationships with, have had my family with, you know, Kentucky's not a big place. And, and so, you know, I've been able to, I've had relationships with a lot of these people that were, were integral and, 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 and important in the whiskey industry. I was on a zoom call the other night with Bill Samuels and he was telling me stories about my family that I had not heard before. And so, you know, out there, Bill Samuels was maker's mark. Smart, right. But the, I, I think for me and, 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 and the, like the two guys that I've really leaned on the most would, would probably be Jim Rutledge from Four Roses fame and, and Eddie Russell from Wild Turkey. And, and I think um, that's probably where a lot of that, as far as like the, the, the full flavored and, 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 and that type of thing comes from. I mean, they, those guys, they, they don't make, um, light little delicate whiskeys they make they make things that that challenge you and 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 stuff and 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 i've i've been very fortunate to uh spend a lot of time with them and, and be able to uh pick their brain and and have them kind of guide me um and and you know so steer you toward greatness well i don't know about that but certainly uh i just i like the style of the whiskey they make i like both those four roses and, and turkey things uh, that, that have that come with a little more punch. You know who else likes that style? Matthew McConaughey, former guest on this show. 
All right, all right, all right. You know what I'm doing? I want to take a uh, I want to take a quick break here, pay the bills, and then we're going to come back. And I want to talk a little bit about the flavor profile of the whiskey and some of the cool things you got going on project wise in Kentucky. So here's a word uh, here's a word from one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Support for what we're drinking with Dan Dunn comes from Manscaped, the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Listen, folks. When it comes to dating, it's a jungle out there. But when you do find someone who wants to take you home, you better make sure it's not a jungle down there. That's why I use Manscaped, a revolutionary electric trimmer that makes accidents a thing of the past. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Take my word on this. No, seriously, you don't want to Google snag your nuts. It's going to take you down a dark road. Another reason to get Manscaped is that you don't want to use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. Oh, and Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why not use it on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DRINKING at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the code drinking and always use the right tools for the job always use manscaped your balls will thank you we're back dixon by the way are you manscaped are you you all uh, you all I'm groomed pretty, up you're all you're keeping I, it keeping I, yeah. it together during quarantine oh, i'm i'm very groomed i'm yeah. i'm incredibly groomed okay because i you know i know the manscaped people i can have them send you something if you you need some help down there well i mean i you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm looking for uh, a new shaver <laughs> I'm always looking for different things, but, uh, <laughs> um, so now that we're thinking about our, our pubic hair, uh, no, um, let's, let's talk about, I want to talk a little bit about the whiskey. So I'm drinking it. I've got it here. I've got one glass on, on the rocks and then I've got another one neat because that's how I, I like to taste whiskey neat. Obviously first, what, how would you describe the flavor profile of confiscated? And, and maybe even before that, tell us where the name confiscated comes from. If you talk about Kentucky Owl, batch nine, batch 10, batch whatever, as kind of the rebirth and, and regeneration of the brand, maybe we create another iteration that is um, a tribute to the the barrels or, or, you know, the inventory that my great, great grandfather that was, had. That was taken. And was, that was yeah. taken. It and I talked, about, I talked about that in the intro about – about the fire at the warehouse and uh, right. yeah, the yeah. mysterious fire that yeah. yeah, you know, confiscated is you know, in name and theory a tribute to those barrels that were supposedly going to government controlled warehouses, but were actually taken and sold in speakeasies in the you know, Chicago or whatever. Sure, sure. So that's where the name comes from. Now, it this is a uh. It's a beautiful. It's a beautiful whiskey. It's a beautiful bottle. Um, but let's talk a little bit about about the juice itself. What am I drinking here? You got a couple youthful five, six, seven year old uh, distillates blended with nine and twelve year old distillates. They I, I put them together so that you know for me the the big takeaways are citrus across them, like citrus and 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 zet, like orange and citrus. And then it backs into spice and it's kind of a cayenne kind of peppery thing. It's not black pepper. It's more of like a, 
a, a smoky um, cayenne kind of thing in the back. Yeah, that's right. You know what? I'm totally getting that spice there. It was a cool thing because I thought bartenders like to play with the uh, with the citrus and, and with that spice as well. Um, it drinks great neat. It drinks great with a you know with a cube, but there there's the play on front of the palate to back of the palate, and and it's like and and that's what I I liked about it is that blend. It still works. Um, even at 96.4 or whatever the hell it is, uh, it's still 96.4 proof. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not one dimensional. It doesn't sit in one place or the other on the palate. It works both, you know, you can feel it on, on, you know, all the way across from, from front to back. And, and that's what, uh, uh, you know, it's been fun about seeing you go to places in there like, Oh, this makes the best, boulevardier and you know i mean it's just well that's what i was going to ask you what do you what do you like to do with this with the cocktail wise yeah it's been great i mean um we've seen people punch up old fashions with it so like doing old-fashioned but uh punch up with with more instead of like a regular bitters they'll do like an orange bitters and kind of punch it up that way on the citrus side we did a great cocktail uh with somebody the other night and they it was it was kind of like a Boulevardier, except it wasn't equal parts. I know you're a big Negroni guy, right? So, so everybody out there listening, if you don't know, the Boulevardier is essentially the Negroni, but with whiskey. You do yours equal parts. That's I'm a one 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 guy. So they did this one was uh, like one and a half confiscated, um, three quarter. I think it was I think it was three quarters sweet vermouth, three quarters Campari. And then they did uh, a little bit of a uh, jalapeno uh, simple syrup. No kidding. Up spice. Yeah, it, it, it was crazy, but it was it was awesome. Wow, that sounds amazing. Where where was where was this? Were you social distancing drinking somewhere? I'm imagining. Yeah, I, it was on it was like a damn Zoom call <laughs> on a call. Yeah, it's amazing that we're doing that these days. So, and it, that sort of leads me to where I want to go next, which is you were in the midst of a development. In Kentucky, right? Were you developing a uh, like Kentucky Al Disneyland or something was going on there? Well, um, the they are developing a Kentucky Al Disneyland. Yes, I, I as I tell people all the time, I I mean I couldn't build a friggin' birdhouse um, out of you know what was in my garage. So that's a that's a that's not my project. That's somebody, okay, but it, it's happening. It's it's like now it's still moving. I mean, it's definitely. Still, and that's going to be in Louisville. It's in Bardstown. In Bardstown. So, is it it's distillery? What else is going on there? Like uh, restaurants, shitload of lakes, um, potentially a restaurant, uh, visitor center. Every time I'm brought into the fold, it looks different than it did the time before. And I keep saying, "Well, look, just you know, I don't." Just don't change the distillery. That that's the important. You know, I I, and I don't even care what the distillery looks like. I'm more concerned with the Rick houses personally. But um, sure. So you, how has this impacted the brand? What's going on now? I mean, are you guys doing okay? You were was was Kentucky Owl more off premise or on premise sales wise? Probably like most brands a little more heavy off-prem um but 
you know, I, again, my background is, is hospitality, is restaurants, is bars, you know, my emphasis and my focus was always on-prem. I think that's where you build your customer base, especially when you're talking about a, a higher um, price spirit, you know, you, you, you build it in the on-prem and then. Well, so let me, let me dive into that a little bit. So when you say that, how, how does that, do you mean because people are in a nice establishment and they want to have a really, really, you know, upscale high end glass of whiskey and that's, that's how they develop the relationship with the brand? I don't think people walk into a liquor store and say, oh, that's the most expensive bottle on the shelf. I'm going to buy that. I think most people walk into a liquor store and see that bottle and see that it's really expensive. And they say, you know, then, then, then they're at a bar and they're like, oh, I can buy that. I can taste it. And if I really like it, I'm going to go back. And I mean, that, that, that's the way I think about it. And sure. that, that's why... Like when, when I do market visits, like when I go places, I, I don't tell anybody I said this, Dan, but like, I don't want to, I mean, it's fine to go meet the the off-brand people, like the, the big retailers and all that stuff. But like, I want to go hang out with bartenders. Like I want to go hang out in the restaurants. I want to go hang out with servers. I want to go, I want to go meet those people because those are the people who become the evangelist for the brands. They're, they're, they're absolutely your ambassadors. You, you tell them your story. You know, that when the next time somebody comes into the, into the restaurant and they're like, Hey, we're celebrating. What's the best whiskey we should buy. You know, they're the ones that are going to be like, Hey, this guy was in here the other day. Yeah. Great story. is a great whiskey. Is a, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you can't get it anywhere else. And that's, I mean, that's, that's what you want. That, that's what I want. I want to be, at the end of the day, I want to be a part of people's special moments. I want to be a part of people's... I, you're part of my special moment right here. Look at that. Let's raise a glass to that. Let's have a little cheers, my friend. I wish we could be doing this on very... Clink. I want, I want to connect with somebody personally. Um, I, I, don't, you know, I don't really care how they feel about a billboard. So that's, this has got to be particularly tough for you, because I know you are a very social person. Do you... Uh, see an end to this anytime soon are you i mean and i mean not that you're a scientist or a government official but i mean in your head are you dreaming about the day you're going to get back out there and be able to do face to face again i i do and i hell i'm not getting on an airplane anytime soon i don't know if you are <laughs> no <but. laughs> i don't i can't imagine you know and and i was thinking about that it's funny because you know you have you have the in and I think what you're going to start seeing is a lot more of that, man, is people going to be doing a lot closer to home trips, you know, so you're going to probably start seeing a lot more people when it's, when you can do that, you're going to start seeing a lot more people from Kentucky and, and Ohio taking those road trips because yeah, I am, I, I think about that and I, the idea of strapping on a, a mask and getting onto an airplane, what could be worth that risk? So today um, I did a, an interview with some of my friends at, um, at Barstown Bourbon Company. I was in Barstown and uh, it's the same thing. It's like, well, you know, our business at the end, like it, it's, it's 65% people doing the bourbon trail thing. Like can, when will the stories be able to, bring people in for tours and stuff like that again. I mean, I, you know, here's the thing, Dixon, beyond like when they can, 
It's when will they? You can open everything right now. Here's what I can tell you. If you opened everything in the world right now, most of it would be on my list of places I'm not going anywhere near until, because what happens when you walk into the, you go into a tasting room and you're having a nice bourbon and a guy sidles up next to you and he goes, <coughs> you're running out the door. Like, get me out of here. I tell you what, they open up Disney World in Orlando. I'll buy your ticket out there if you'll go. How about that? <laughs> no Don't thanks. Me. What are you trying to get rid of me, man? Come on. So what else have you been doing? What have you been doing with yourself during quarantine to keep busy, non-work-wise? Any new shows we should be hearing? What are you watching? What do you got going on? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to watch some stuff. Um, we, you know, I, I, for the longest time, it was a lot of kid stuff in my house. I'm, I'm, I'm do, do you, are you watching the the Last Dance? Oh my goodness, it's great. Yeah, the, the Michael Jordan yeah. documentary, fantastic. The the Last Dance. I'm. Uh, I'm about halfway through the third season of Ozark. You watch Ozark. Ozark yeah. is another one. And by the way, I think every we have these I have these conversations with a lot of people. Like, what are you watching? And what I'm coming to realize is everybody has watched everything. <laughs> yeah, I have. I, and we had a conversation at dinner the other night, and it, it was like, and I said, I think I'm I'm just going to avoid Tiger King. I've heard too much. I'm just. I watched it. it, and I'm going to tell you this. I would say to you, avoid it. Uh, there was a weird thing where in the beginning I, I I was perversely interested in it and I was watching it and I'm like, Oh, this is really good. But it was one of those shows that later reflecting upon what I watched, I thought, yeah, that was kind of a waste of time. It's a, it's just a bunch of dumb people who are, I don't care what anybody says. These animals don't belong. They don't belong in some guy's fucking park in Missouri they're tigers, man. Put them back out in the in Africa in the wild, and that that's the part that really bothered me. But it's also the I I'm growing increasingly impatient with or intolerant with this glorification of stupid. You know, I just want things to swing back where we're going. You know what? Let's stop being. Let's stop worshiping stupid people, and and watch. Let's let's start being entertained by smart people. Let's fi- let's find that refreshing because it really does feed into a lot of the things, you know, and, and not to get political, but it, like it feeds into a lot of the things that you're seeing where, you know, when Joe exotic is the hero of, of, you know, the biggest, most popular thing in America. Well, of course you're going to have people going, fuck that, man, I'm going to go out and fucking, I'm not wearing a mask and I'm doing this and it's my liberties. And because you're telling them that it's okay to be stupid. No, no, no I, I, I agree hundred percent. I mean, I think, if you're going to spend your time doing something, why don't you do it getting smarter, not getting Yeah, read dumber. a book or if you're going to watch something, watch planet earth. And, you know, I, I again, I, I understand the need for escapist entertainment, but I'd like to see more shows being celebrated that are a bit more highbrow, but that's just me. Maybe that's the whiskey talking. Oh, yeah, you, you can still be entertaining and not, just make people dumber. Speaking right. of dumb, what do you? Uh, how do you? How do you like my uh, my my new look here? My bandana. I, uh, I I think that what you've got going on there is is uh, a, your trend setting. I think you're going to see a lot of people follow that. I. Uh, it's savage yet all corrupt. I would say. I mean, it's kind of like this guy could either stab me and take all my cash or 
uh, prepare a beautiful beef Wellington, you know, I mean, that's, that's exactly what I was going for, man. I want to keep people on their toes, you know, it's a, uh, I got to tell you, man, it is a, an absolute pleasure to catch up with you. Almost as good of a pleasure it is to, to drink this whiskey, which I love, man. I, in fact, I, I've had a bottle for a while sitting over in my bar back there and that I haven't wanted to even open because I always worry about my favorites when I open them, then my, you know, friends come over and whatever, then it's gone like that. And I'm like, damn it. So I try to open the crap and keep this. But you know what? One of the things that's happened during quarantine is I've realized open the good shit, whether it's, whether it's whiskey, whether it's wine, do you find yourself doing that? Like going, screw uh, it. Let me, you we, know what? I'm going to open have completely different bottles of wine that we did, you know, a few months ago or whatever, but I think it you, makes you, you appreciate never it. You have to worry about it. You never have to worry about it. You, you run low. You let me know. I, 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 I got an in, but for real, man, don't you think that what we're going through has brought a greater appreciation of the good things that we have in life. And and that's part of why I'm opening bottles of wine that I might not have opened is because there's this sense of loss of human connection and going out and doing all these things in the world. Normalcy. And the one, yeah, but the thing that I have, that's nice. That bottle that I've been, I'm going, you know what? Screw it. This is the way I can treat myself. This is the thing I can do for myself. Self-care is is drinking this when I might have held on to it and drinking a great wine when I might have held on to it. And, you know, and if you got to have the drink with over Zoom, then so be it. I do, I do think it's made, you know, the, the connections a little bit deeper. And, and you know, and, and to your point, like I'm going to connect with some guys over Zoom and when I would have come home and done whatever on that back porch and poured nothing, you know, now I'm going to pour something really nice and we're going to connect. And we, this is going to be, I mean, for as weird as it sounds and as crazy as it may be, you know, I, I truly believe life is about making moments and, and sometimes in weird situations like we've been put in with all this, we are making moments. And, and, and I think the moments are, uh, they hit a little bit closer to home because of the situation we're in. And so you, you go a little deeper into that, you know, wine cellar, you go a little deeper into that whiskey collection or whatever, because it's Tuesday and you're trying to make a moment. I feel like we're having a moment right now. Can you, can you, can we raise a glass here, my friend? Yes, I'll drink to that. moments, to moments. Dixon Deadman, Kentucky Owl. I want to thank you, man, for taking time out of it. We're not busy. Who's busy, right? Nobody's busy. But, you know, taking time out of your whatever you're doing at home schedule to sit here with me for a half hour and have some drinks. And uh, it's always great to see you, man. And I, I really look forward to the next time you're on the show. And I pray that we're doing it in person. Uh, dude, from the first time I met you, uh, I've, I've loved you. And, and I think you're a you got a great soul and I, I really, I, I love everything, everything about you. So I appreciate the opportunity and, and I can't wait until the next time we get to have a, have a, have a drink. It's a date, my friend Dixon Deadman, everybody. My friends, can I be straight with you right now is not the time to overpay for razors at the drugstore. In fact, you shouldn't be going to drugstores at all. If you can avoid it. 
Harry's knows this. That's why they ship directly to you so you can experience the quality of a Harry's shave in just a few days from the convenience and safety of your own home. Why Harry's? Well, it's a return to the essential. Quality, durable blades at a fair price. We're talking $2 a blade. They've cut out the middleman. Harry's uses a German manufacturer that's been honing precision blades for a century. Those high-quality blades go straight from the factory to you with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let Harry's know, and they'll give you a full refund. So I've got a, uh, I got an offer for you. Got a little deal. I'll make you a deal. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's, and listeners to my show, What We're Drinking With Dan Dunn, can redeem their Harry's trial at harrys.com slash drinking. That's harrys.com slash drinking. Redeem it. You're going to get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, some rich lathering shave gel with aloe, keep your skin nice and hydrated, very important, and a travel blade cover, keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Because eventually you're going to get to go somewhere again, I promise. So go to harrys.com slash drinking to start shaving better today. music for you right there we break music on this show sometimes that's uh that's a band called magic bronson new song called tell all your friends which i dig something proper so i thought i'd play it for you check it out on spotify everywhere everywhere that music streams i want to be clear because i care about clarity i really do the confiscated kentucky owl that we have enjoyed on this episode is a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. That is how it is categorized. And I wanted to, you know, I want to let everybody know what that means. My friend Fred Minnick is one of the leading whiskey experts in the world, and he wrote a book called Bourbon Curious. In the book Bourbon Curious, he summarizes what the various bourbon types are as defined by the U.S. Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau, known as the TTB. Um, you can look them up if you want to get the full thing on ttbonline.gov, but just to give you the quick thing, okay? So if you see on the label it says bourbon whiskey, if it's bourbon whiskey, that's whiskey produced in the U.S. not exceeding 80% alcohol by volume, which is 160 proof from a fermented mash of not less than 51% corn and stored at not more than 62.5% ABV. A straight bourbon whiskey is bourbon whiskey stored in charred new oak containers for two years or more. Straight bourbon whiskey may include mixtures of two or more straight bourbon whiskeys provided all the whiskeys are produced in the same state. An example, a brand example, we Maker's Mark, obviously Kentucky Al, okay? A blended bourbon whiskey is 
Blended whiskey produced in the U.S. containing not less than 51% on a proof gallon basis. Excluding alcohol derived from added harmless coloring, flavoring, or blending materials. Straight bourbon whiskey. Okay. Blended straight bourbon whiskey is a blend of straight whiskeys produced in the U.S. consisting entirely of straight bourbon whiskeys. And finally, bottled in bond bourbon whiskey. The spirit must be the product of one distillation season by one distiller at one distillery. Must have been stored in a federally bonded warehouse for at least four years and bottled at 100 proof. The bottled product's label must identify the distillery where it was distilled and bottled. You got all that? You got all that? I hope you got it. Let's get back to Magic Bronson, should we? I want to thank uh, Dixon Deadman of Kentucky Al for being on the show. Great guy, great whiskey. Get out there, check it out. Follow me at The Imbiber on Instagram and Twitter. Check out my Nightcap, 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 Nightcap Live. That's what it's called. Thursday, the 14th of May with Glenn Big Baby Davis, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Flaviar's YouTube channel. I don't know what more I have to offer here. Do I have anything more to offer? No, I'm just going to drink more whiskey. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Tell all your